American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. When the words all come down, like blues on Tuesdays come down. Welcome. Oh, you you go it, ahead. Right? Welcome okay. to episode 179 of American Timelines. Yes, welcome. I'm Amy and that's Joe. That's Amy. Amy's here. Yes. Woo. And I'm like, feel like I'm going hoarse. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, you sound like you've been shouting. I, I've been screaming at you all, all weekend. You've been screaming at your computer. Yeah, that's true. At my the computer. Printer, at the. All the technical problems that I have in my life. Been, Nobody wants to know about them. You've though. been screaming at your VPN. Which you you don't know what a VPN is, but that's what you're. Screaming. That's what I was screaming at. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. You want to introduce our guest? Yes. It's a Scottish American time. This is another Scottish American timelines episode. We're back. Yeah. Can't get rid of us. Daniel and Nathaniel. <laughs> Daniel and Nathaniel from the Who the Fuck Is podcast, and apparently a new podcast. Name pending on the first one. <laughs> we don't know what's happening. You don't know. Welcome, gentlemen. Yeah. We are from a, an unnamed podcast at the moment. We're, yeah, we're still we're like starting afresh. We're um we're moving into. Have we said? Have we said to you guys who we're doing at the moment? No, no. Wait, let's see if we can. Right, no. this could be a fun a game. Clues. Can you guess? She she has ginger hair. Um, Fergie. <laughs> no, no, no. Are we just playing a guessing game right now? I'm lost. I bet it's uh I bet it's oh gosh. The one who's she, married a country singer was married to Tom Cruise. Is American. Nicole Kidman. I don't think she's American. She's, she's Australian. Australian. Oh, she's not American. I hate that you he just said she's American and I and he said <laughs> she's not. not American. Oh <laughs> uh, my god. Um, she has Acted in films with people such as who's the Patrick guy from Grey's Anatomy? The attractive Scarlett Johansson. No. Uh, fucking, uh, she has acted with uh, Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Jeremy Renner, uh, yes, Amy uh, Adams, or somebody. Is Amy Adams? Amy oh! Adams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. I never remember that actress's name. I'm like, oh, it's that one girl from that one thing. So the one uh, that we just recorded was uh, Julia and Julia. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm-mm. Seen that film, but it's, it's about uh, Julia, Julia Child. Child. Julia oh Child. yeah, I remember. I yeah, remember it's that about. That I think it's a movie about Julia Child and Julian Lennon, right? Ju- no. Julia Powell. <laughs> Julia Powell. No. Julia Powell. All right, so what year are we talking about? Because okay, I'm out of yeah. the loop. So we're going to jump in. Yeah, so we're ju- – we're, oh, you haven't been here in a while. So we're – and these guys haven't been here in over a year. Where have you so, been in? So I've, I've slogged through 1954. I won't say solo. Amy's been on maybe three or four couple. Yeah, uh, couple throughout the year. Now. But I've had to find random people. <laughs> random gruff, hobos from the streets. Gruff from the Gruff and Loud show <laughs> joined me. just walk about. Your city just finding people. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. 
<laughs> yeah. Art like odd, putting like odds on Craigslist in. It's it's been whoever. Yeah. Art Star <laughs> from the Nerd yeah, Schools joined me. Companionship. Yep. Uh, TBJ and her sister who are starting their own podcast from the nerd school. My brother, just random people. Kitty Jandron was here last week from the grand project. Anyway, so now we're back with the Scottish fellas. Uh, and so we're doing another Scottish American timelines and I'm finishing up December of 1954. Yes. And I think we've decided, I'll just quickly touch on this. We're going to slog through the rest of the fifties and then, we're going to try to switch up American Timelines probably oh, yeah. to the 40s. Ooh. We might do, rather than going chronological, we might do different locations, uh, states, different cities maybe. We're not sure. We're kind of like, and we might focus more on alien abductions for a while or ghost nice. stories. Yeah. Just leave the rapes alone for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> this is a rape-free episode, by the way. This is a rape-free episode on your part. Yeah. Is it, oh, but maybe like not. These guys may have raped. <laughs> oh, is it? I might have a rape. Uh, I believe it's rape-free. Yeah. Is what about you, Daniel? I don't know. He's looking I've doubtful. Got, I've, got some, I've some allegations. Okay. Oh, God. Some, allegations. some spicy allegations. I'm sure. Unrelated to his story. Oh God. <laughs> right. No, absolutely not. Okay. I'm not going to guarantee mine. Don't have any either. Actually. I'm starting with the first Burger King opening in Miami, Florida. So there had to have been some, some rapes, rapes in that there. involved there. Yep. So we're going to jump right into December. Actually, no, before we jump into December, sorry. First Burger we, King is in like the first Burger King ever or just the first one in Miami? The first Burger King ever. And we'll get to that. That's December 4th. But I know we're jumping into December, but Nathaniel's got something. He's been waiting for years to share with us. Uh, yes. When so we, we got... were first setting this up, um, we were told we needed stories from the 50s. And I looked this up and I, I wanted the story. I love the story. Uh, but then I was told, no, it has to be 1950 or 51, whatever we started with. And yeah. I was like, fuck. <laughs> so... And this one happened in 54. So he's like, I'll 54. come back in 54. Yeah, and here we are in 54 and we almost missed it. But this is September. So we're going to take a pause. Before we jump into December and back up a little bit because we got to get this in. So, up now. so Nathaniel, why don't you take it away and do us a favor and uh, play a little guitar and sing this uh, <laughs> and have this whole thing rhyme. <laughs> just kidding. No. Just kidding. <laughs> I can't put him on the spot like that. He's going to get his guitar. All right. Yeah. right. Uh, okay. So in September of uh, 19... 54 there was an incident known as uh, the gorbel's vampire uh, Ooh. into context uh, the gorbel's is an area in glasgow um and from the 1840s to the 1970s it was one of the worst slums in europe uh, britain and europe wow that's really? that's bad if it was one of the worst ones in europe at yeah, that time in all of europe? europe yeah 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 um uh in the 1920s and 30s, the Gorbals was home to the Bridgeton team, which was a uh, very notorious gang uh, led by Billy Fullerton, uh, who forged ties with right-wing and fascist politicians and founded a racist political party. So was oh. that I, that's, that's uh, I don't understand. I can't imagine that being... So there were problems there. Um, in sort of the population density in the Gorbals was very high. There were often eight family members to a single room uh, and 30, 30 residents sharing a single toilet. Oh, um, God. Geez. Wait a it's... minute. 30 people for one toilet. 
in one Ooh. flat. What if you get flat. the shits? What do you got to do? You that's when you simultaneously like one person is shitting and they open the legs, another person shits between their legs, like a like human centipede of shits. Of shit. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a reference we can all enjoy. Yes. The human centipede. It took Beautiful. how many minutes in to get to the human centipede? <laughs> <laughs> Too many. Um, yeah. But Too many it, is the right. Gorbals is unrecognizable from that today. It's been gentrified to fuck. Yeah. Um, I think quite a lot of rich people have moved in. Um, but in September of 1954, rumors spread amongst school children of the Gorbals that a seven foot vampire with iron teeth was kidnapping and murdering boys and eating them. Uh, oh my god so this sort of grew and grew into like a bit of a moral panic of a fever um and eventually on the 23rd of september several hundred children amassed on the southern necropolis in glasgow area uh, armed with knives sharpened sticks and homemade tomahawks uh many bringing their dogs with them oh my um, god, god. Officers were called out to the scene, but they were unable to control the children. Um, oh, and, no. And well, so... you know, if this would have happened in America, they would have just shot them all dead. So there's that. <laughs> there's that technique. 300 children dead. Yep. Uh, <laughs> some sources say that the local headmaster was uh, called out to disperse the crowd, um, while others say that they just gave up while it was raining. Um, oh, they, they didn't find anything, and they returned the next two nights to continue the hunt, but but nothing happened. Uh, it was kind of like a, a folk devil that was created. I'm guessing probably because the police weren't doing anything about missing children, and so this rumor just started up. Wow, um, can you imagine were... that? Yeah. Oh, um, God. But there, there, there was some fallout from this incident um, related to comics and communism. In the 1930s, um, there were a lot of similar incidents to this one, the Gorbals Vampire. Um, these included a hunt for a banshee uh, and a hunt <laughs> for a creature known as Springheel Jack. <gasps> I love uh, Springheel Jack. Do you know who nice. that is? <laughs> yes. I, well, last, last podcast on the left. Do you guys ever listen to that podcast? Last podcast on the left? No, I've it's, never. It's... Um, they're hilarious, but and they've got a catalog of over thousand thousand episodes. Jesus. But they did um, British. It's all um, horror and um, true crime, mm -hmm. and and anything like aliens, all that stuff. But anyway, they had an episode about um, British. I think it was just British. I don't remember if it was paranormal or whatever. But they talked about Spring Hill Jack. Anyway. Okay. But the Springfield Jack, as you all know, Amy, is this devilish figure who sort of leapt across rooftops and murdered people. Um, yeah. and, and it was like a lot of, in sort of Victor late Victorian Industrial Revolution time, there are a lot of these sort of characters popping up, uh, like like serial killer type, type characters. Now, I wonder if that was, well, when did you say that was? 1950s. So, uh, no, 1930s, sorry. So that, so that was way after Jack the Ripper, so... Mm. Yes, strange, strange little creatures killing mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Um, but uh, the 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 situation, um, the the these, these sort of uh, hunts and stuff, uh, were thought to stem from a moral panic, uh, which came from the United States a few months oh. earlier. Oh, that uh, shitty place. 
you guys throwing our children out of whack. Uh, so your Senate subcommittee on juvenile delinquency had held a, a pair of hearings in 1954, which heavily censored horror comics to the point of banning them. It's yes, and we talked about this on the on the podcast. I had Art Star from the Nerd School talk about it. Mm. Yeah, it, cool. it, it was it was believed that horror comics were damaging children, and there's this whole mm. panic mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. I think it must have bled into satanic panic or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not really changed because now it's either video games or music. Moves yeah, on. there's always something they blame it on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. rather yeah. than actual and it, reasons. Sadly, it usually is America because you mm-hmm. guys are so fucking Christian. Oh, it makes me everything. Vomit. Every everything is everything is either deemed to be like ungodly or yes. It's, it's, oh, we get into a religion. We, a bit. <laughs> we had we had these evangelical neighbors whose little boy played with our little boy, and um, they wouldn't let him read Harry Potter, but he could play he could play Call of Duty. He could play Call of Duty at six years old. And but there's no wizards in Call of Duty. It's yeah. not satanic. It's just oh real life. Oh my god, it's not witchcraft. So it's dumb. just good old fashioned no American Potter. freedom using yeah. guns. Yeah, right? <laughs> but if you want more on that Comics Code bit, go back and listen to our episode 174 uh, with Art Star. Uh, he talks about the Comics Code and uh, all the craziness that went along with that it's and how it's still in place today. Fellow. Our stars on nerd school. Do you not listen, Daniel? No, I, 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 I explain, explain to. I know it's it's you getting educated about nerd stuff. Yeah, um, nerd, the what, nerd school podcast is Art Star, TBJ, and Professor Andy, who's my brother, teaching me about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, movie by movie, basically. And then we go off on out out shoots, and we did Howard the Duck and. Bat, Lego Batman and stuff here and there, but generally, it's all the nerd knowledge that uh, super nerds have. Like when you go see a superhero movie, I just like to watch explosions and action. I don't know like the backstory of what that guy was in the comics and who's this guy and was he portrayed this way and what are nerds mad about that kind of stuff. And then we ended up getting into like social justice stuff and people who've been canceled and why they've been canceling Joss Whedon, why he's an asshole and stuff like that. Uh, But we just go kind of movie nerd movie by nerd movie. And they kind of explain that. So, and art star is a genius. You've been on it, Amy. Oh no, no, she doesn't play that. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't even listen to it. She's like too nerdy for me. No, I'm not. I'm not real into the Marvel. What's as as nerdy as you go? Like if, if, if someone was to ask you, um, like if you like, we have this show in in the UK called Mastermind, where mm-hmm. it's like a quiz. It's a quiz thing, but you have you do like a general knowledge round, but you do like a specialist subject. Mm-hmm. Like what what would your specialist subject be? Me, oh, yeah, true crime probably, or paranormal stuff. See, you're nerdy about you're nerdy about something. Oh, I know. Oh, oh she, I know. She, mm. The amount of podcasts that you have listened that she has listened to, I you can't even imagine. She's heard of every single true crime podcast. I mean, it's basically <laughs> every waking moment and no, non-waking moment. I'm a teacher for Christ's sake. Yeah, I mean, when you're not at work, she walks through the house and it's just uh, you know when she's coming because the podcast comes with her. She's just playing a podcast out loud. <laughs> In whatever room she's in. It means it's like watching TV. 
<laughs> oh, and every time, but every time I go to bed, I go up and there's a podcast playing. My wife is dead asleep with her clothes on, and I gotta wake her up. You know, like <laughs> it's like how many hours of this podcast do you really do you ever get it? Yeah, I don't get a lot out of it. it. But, yeah. but you listen to so many. Think since you've listened to so many true crime podcasts where mm-hmm. there have been murders committed and you know exactly how they've been caught, do you now think that you are? <laughs> educated enough that you could commit a murder and get away with it oh no yes she I, can i think joe is worried about that every i know day. he is <laughs> he's yeah. i tell people all the time on the Fucking even focus. on the podcast if i'm murdered it was her <laughs> she knows all the ins and outs no i think in in our there's too much surveillance in our society now to get away it's i think it's harder to get away with it because there's so much surveillance in our society, you know, I mean, there's cameras everywhere. It looks like Joe's just had enough. Every one of our neighbors has a ring doorbell. I like, could do a weekend at Bernie's type thing. Did you you guys ever see that movie? No. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it's a guy, this old man dies. And these, like, college He's an old kids, rich man. He's this, I don't even remember why they're at his beach house. But he dies while they're there. And they... They're making they a want deal. to stay They're and party at the beach house, yeah. and so they dress him up, would put sunglasses on him, and like parade him around like he's still alive. <laughs> it's so more. No, they had made a deal with him. He was like the owner of a big company, and they had a pitch. That reminds me of uh, Tideland, which was a Terry Gilliam film um, about a girl, uh, her dad Jeff Bridges, who is the dude who's yeah. behind you, the dude uh, back here. Yeah, yeah, he. he they move somewhere he's obsessed with denmark but they move somewhere and he dies and then she just sort of like keeps him there like whilst he's dead Uh, yeah it's real weird okay back to the one one quick thing yeah it it reminds it reminds it reminds me let's go what does this remind us of it reminds me of a there's a conspiracy theory um about the royal family in the UK <laughs> that um, basically so you know Prince Philip died yes up. yeah yeah but there's a conspiracy theory for the three years leading up to his death he was actually dead yeah and they basically <laughs> kept him on ice yeah and, wheeled him and, out. Wheeled him out <laughs> at social events. Oh yeah. my god! Because uh, there was like that that infamous photo of when he went into hospital and he did look completely oh, yeah. dead. Yeah. Yes. Um. It was not. I mean, the dude was like ninety, like fucking ninety nine years old. I can't but... believe Elizabeth is still alive. I mean, neither can we. Yeah. How, how old? I mean, neither can we? Is she a hundred yet? Almost. No, she's like she's ninety. She's ninety, ninety-three or ninety. I mean, we we covered this season on American Timelines the fifties when she became queen, coronated. 50, or whatever. Fifty-two was when she April fifty-two. <laughs> it's it's nuts. ridiculous. Yeah, um, this time. must just seem so alien to you guys that this one person. Yeah, has been in charge for this amount of time. It's when not you in guys charge, have, like, though. A... I know she's it's it's ceremonial, right? It's not but really in it's charge. Just, it's just a rich person. It's like head. it's like our Kardashians. Yeah, it's celebrity family, exactly. basically. Yeah, someone who collects taxes without fucking doing anything. <laughs> Trump. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I don't know, like he doesn't ugh. collect taxes. He just doesn't fucking pay. He them. doesn't pay him, <laughs> so that's where. Right. Yeah, but. Okay. Comics. The comic code. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
This, this meant that, as you will know, uh, that no comic could make it to newsstands if it included vampires, werewolves, zombies, ghouls, or any scene of horror. Which was all that they were then. Like, yep. that's what the comics were. All adaptations of, like, Frankenstein and stuff. Like, yeah. Illustrated in that, yeah. Um, but this action was desperately wanted by some in the UK as well. Um, with horror car- horror comics making their way here through the US, through US soldiers who came over, and then that sort of the comics got distributed and, and led to publishing companies and was reprinted. Um, in 1953, the Comics Campaign Council, the CCC in the UK, was founded. And it was led by a respected pediatrician who was also a member of the Communist Party. It seems like a lot of these, these <laughs> comics, people who didn't like horror comics, were also communists for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck knows why. That's crazy. Um, because they, they, they were the only ones that could commit horror. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh Edgy. Uh, A pamphlet was issued by the CCC called Comics and Your Children, uh, saying that sadism and violence are basic themes throughout the American type comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that's true. Uh, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, the, the Gorbals incident was then used in Parliament to pass the Children and Young Persons Harmful Publication Act in spring of 1955, which criminalized the publication, sale, and uh, import of horror comics and gave the police expansive search and seizure powers. This act still stands today. Really? But is not enforced. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, wow. The last thing can... that the police need is more fucking so there we go a story about a spooky vampire which wow. was caused by you americans yeah it was our fault and so, it caused censorship in your country so they, they never move, they, they never like that? found the actual vampire right no no never no, it was it may it still be one it wasn't real we don't know maybe who knows just like an explanation for missing children yeah yeah but yeah much like um, you know about like the oh I can't remember what the name of the restaurant was, but it's referred to as like PizzaGate. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, the PizzaGate. The pizza thing restaurant where they, said, where they said there was pedophiles. Hillary, Hillary Clinton was yeah. running a Hillary, pedophile. Hillary Clinton emails, and that when they're ordering pizza, they're actually ordering children, and then they <laughs> and they were away. in the basement, and, and there some, was no basement. It, some guy went and murdered a bunch of people at a pizza place because he thought that because he thought that was, was real. real. Right, it's okay. fucking QAnon. Is that that's what? Oh, I know. That it's just right wing fucking idiots. It's so... it's nonsense. It's ridiculous. The, 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 the type of the people that lens. were like storming into yeah, that was it. Adrenochrome. <laughs> oh, it, that's what they say. Is they, they do is that people like um, Ellen DeGeneres, the Obamas, uh, the Clintons, they basically torture children. Yeah, that's they, what they um, say. Right. Mm-hmm. And then drink their and then drink the fluid from their adrenal glands. The fountain uh, of youth. It's nuts. Yeah. Anything oh to instill God. fear. Anything to keep the fear. So far fetched. Yeah. What is wrong with <laughs> it's, people? It's this crazy. They're sad and don't know who to blame. So let's I mean there are lizard people though. So they yeah, blame the Democrats. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, those lefties. We're going to we're going to jump right back into December as I was as I gave you a little teaser that the first Burger King opened in Miami, Florida. But mm-hmm. as far as I could tell, 
I thought it was just, oh, they started the Burger King franchise. But really, what I found is that it was headquartered in Miami-Dade County, Florida. The company was founded in 1953 as Instaburger King, a Jacksonville, Florida-based restaurant chain. But after Instaburger King ran into financial difficulties in 54, its two Miami-based franchises, franchisees, David Edgerton and James McLemore, purchased the company and renamed it Burger King. And I know they... They copied it off McDonald's. And yeah, that it. sounds a lot like McDonald's. Like the, the mm-hmm. original, they ran into trouble and got bought out, and then it became this huge thing. Well, they had went to a McDonald's, and they had, had invested in this machine that was, it was like a broiler, like an automatic broiler that was supposed to be able to make burgers what, really fast. What, a, what does broil mean? Because you guys have weird words. <laughs> you broil everything, right? <laughs> uh, flame broiled is what Burger King does. It's like the heat comes from the top down oh that's what we call a grill december 10th 1954 this one is fun have you guys ever heard of colonel john paul stapp no anyone no all right he was rings a bell for some it does okay i think you're probably thinking of uh, i think you're thinking of strap-ons that's exactly what it is i'm thinking of Colonel John Paul Stapp was an American career U.S. Air Force officer, a flight surgeon, a physician, a biophysicist, and a pioneer in studying the effects of acceleration and deceleration forces on humans. Yes, I do know. I I do know that. Yeah, I know exactly who you're on about. You know what I'm going to get on about? Okay. He was a (laughs) colleague and contemporary of Chuck Yeager and became known as the fastest man on earth. His work on Project Manhai pioneered many developments for the U.S. space program. Is Chuck hmm. Yeager the guy that traveled, that, that discovered the speed of sound, or he had something to do with with land speed? Something stuff? like that. Uh, but I, according- only, I only know the name Chuck Yeager from uh, Impractical Jokers. <laughs> I love that you know that. Uh <laughs> Unfortunately, Joe left the show. Okay. According to the New Mexico Museum of Space History, Dr. John Paul Stapp earned the title The Fastest Man Alive when he rode the Sonic Wind 1 rocket-propelled sled on December 10, 1954, to a land record speed of 632 miles per hour in five seconds. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Zero to 632 in five seconds. Pass out. I'm so, surprised his asshole wasn't on the other side of his body. <laughs> We're not done yet. We're not done because not only did he go from zero, he went, he went from zero to 632, and his asshole was on the other side of his body, I think. In five seconds, he sustained the greatest G-forces endured by man and recorded deceleration tests up to that time because he's going 632 miles and 46.2 Gs when the sled stopped. Ooh. It's going 632 miles. It stopped at 1.4 seconds. You'd throw up. Oh 632 God. to nothing. More than anyone had yet endured voluntarily. Well, that, that, that was the, the 50s. Why is it now? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think anybody's done it since. Really? So, say how heavy he was. Well, there's pictures of him. If you look at this guy, if you Google this guy, and you, there's pictures of him. They actually took pictures of him accelerating and decelerating of his face. Mm. <laughs> and so it's very funny. Though he managed half a smile as he was pulled from the sled <laughs> at the end of it, he was in great pain. 
and his eyes were flooded with blood from the bursting of almost all of their capillaries. Oh, my Fuck God. As Stapp was rushed to the hospital with two black eyes, he worried that one or both of his retinas had detached, leaving him blind. Oh, my Jesus. Think about it, nothing. The only thing stopping your eyes is your eyelids. Yeah. If his eyelids were open, his eyes would have been across the street. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Shut up. Fortunately, by the next day, he had regained enough of his normal vision to be released by his doctors, though his eyesight would never fully so th- recover. I mean, that's why nobody's ever done this since, because he almost <laughs> died. He almost lost his eyeballs. Almost his, lost his eyeballs. Imagine how bad it would hurt for your eyeballs to, to get fly out of your head. Ripped out of your head. It's amazing. I bet you that, could, no, you could just pop them back in. I don't think they'd be, because they're connected in, right? As long as you didn't get anything. Like those on springs it. on those. I'm going to throw that. up. <laughs> so he. I mean, like that 46G. I mean, to put that into perspective, like modern, um, modern spaceflight is you reach about three Gs when you're taking off. Oh man, and that's, that's flying rough. in fucking space. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Like, you look at like um, th- there's videos on YouTube of pilots doing G-force training when they're like doing yeah like, when they're doing like, evasive maneuvers and have to breathe at like turning and hitting like seven to ten g's yeah and their face just like droops it looks like they're dying yeah you can (laughs) see like look up john stapp google him and you can see the images of his face and you can see his eyes becoming black eyed and he was acclaimed the fastest man on earth he was an international sensation after this appearing on Magazine covers, television, and as the subject of an episode of This Is Your Life, he used his public acclaim to pursue his dream, his lifelong dream of improving automobile safety. <laughs> as, <laughs> as he had long, <laughs> he had long felt that the safety measures he was developing for military aircraft should also be used for civilian automobiles. The, the mm. real reason that he nearly killed himself because he was like, I just want people to wear seatbelts. Yeah, he wants people to wear safety belts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he employed his instant celebrity Insane. to push for the installation of seatbelts in American cars, as well as for other now standard safety features. The success of his tireless efforts is measured in thousands of lives saved and injuries lessened every year by the safety precautions he championed there you go yeah. well done you guys wear seat belts there no seat you don't wear seat belts oh, yeah no we wear we wear seat belts <laughs> oh you know okay we didn't for a long time like i grew up i never wore a seat belt growing up when we were kids we didn't even know where the seat belts were like they were like stuck shoved under, under the, the seat yeah we didn't have car yeah. seats when we were kids as baby you know nothing like we didn't but now we. It do. was quite a long time ago. That my was mom, my mom and dad growing up. They they didn't have like my gran only learned to drive probably in like the, like the nineties. Oh wow! My, my, my mom, she didn't like her parents didn't like they they lived and died not knowing how to drive. So they were wow. Our, like we came from very very working class families, so we there was like a car was like yeah luxury. I mean, like. A television was 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 crazy to get. Wow. So getting a getting a car was um, insane. But no, we wear we wear seatbelts. Taxi drivers have, are are allowed to not wear seatbelts. Really? Huh? In um in Scotland, they I don't know if they have to do a sub. It'll be some fucking like stupid like five day course. Yeah, we had a taxi driver, and he taught me what a zebra crossing was. 
Yes. <laughs> I never heard that term. Uh, zebra crossing. Or a pelican you know how, crossing. You know how, you must have them in. I've we have them. Pretty, we just don't call them. Well, in. number one, we don't call them zebra crossings. Number two, I don't know what a zebra is because we call them zebras. Zebra. <laughs> we call them no, crosswalks. Do you, do you have um, no jaywalking in North Carolina? Is, there's, the, I mean, there's a law, yeah. There's but, law, but nobody enforces nobody it. Enforces I jaywalk all the time uptown. Yeah. Jaywalking basically just walking across, across the, the roads. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> it's, Without, cro- it's crossing when it doesn't say walk. Or crossing in the middle of the road instead of at a crosswalk. Or taking a shit in the middle of the road. That's as not jaywalking. Yeah. That is that's, not jaywalking. Surprisingly, that's illegal here, too. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little, little <laughs> tiny little nug. On the, on the squeeze out. <laughs> All right. We're now to Saturday, December 11, 1954, when someone named Hayes Edward Big Ed Sanders, who was an American yeah. heavyweight boxer who had won an Olympic gold medal in 1952, he was fighting his sparring partner, Willie James, the New England heavyweight champion at Boston Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. James was a highly regarded heavyweight who in February of 1954 had performed well in sparring matches against Sanders. Sanders, who had complained previously of headaches and had his shoulder x-ray just a few weeks prior, was uncharacteristically listless in the opinion of some observers. James and Sanders traded heavy blows for 10 rounds. In the 11th round, Sanders appeared tired in James's estimation, and was felled by a simple punch combination. Sanders dropped to the canvas and lost consciousness immediately. Oh, don't, I don't like this. Breathing laborious, laboriously while lying on his side, ring personnel carried him out of the ring by stretcher. Oh, man. But he fought 10 rounds before this. Yeah, and then Sanders... I asked, ne- I asked the adults a question. Yeah. What does laboriously mean? Labor, effort. a lot of labor involved in breathing. Like he can barely breathe. Yeah, I'm just surprised they had X-rays in the 50s. I didn't realize it was, it was that early. Yeah, maybe they were new when X-rays yeah. were invented. <laughs> yeah, well, I I wasn't alive when X-rays were invented. Long story short, Sanders never regained consciousness and died after a long surgery to relieve pressure on the brain. The coroner concluded that Sanders likely aggravated, aggravated, aggravated a previous injury. Doctors and trainers concluded Sanders probably suffered a prior injury that was aggravated in the James fight, and he was laid to rest at Woodlawn Cemetery in Santa Monica, California, after a 21-gun military salute. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Boxer who died. One gun salute. Is it not usually like military guys that get 21 gun salute? Yeah, I think it is. So he probably, I didn't do the research here, but he probably served is my guess. I don't think they just do it for boxers. Yeah, no, I don't think. (laughs) Militaries and boxers. (laughs) Military and somebody who got killed in a boxing match. And on December 12th, so... And he didn't die till the 13th. But on December 12th, that Sunday, it was a live transmission of the BBC's groundbreaking adaptation of 1984, starring Peter Cushing. It took place on UK television. Yeah, I don't know that one. I know the one with John Hurt. Well, we're going to talk a lot about Orwell stuff this month, uh, which was a big deal around this time. UK and the UK, too. But now we're going to turn it over to Amy, who's got probably some... 
Well, I guess American. a non non rape murder, right? Yes. Are you going to cover for us? There's been a murder. There has. This is a murderess, actually. A murderess. Yes. Oh. And I'm going to do my best because she's Greek, and uh, she's from Cyprus. So, how far are you guys? How long would it take you to get in a rowboat to go to Cyprus? Like. <laughs> I mean, people Probably are doing that. Few weeks. But they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ, yeah. Um, her uh, name is Stylu Kristofsky. No, Chris, Christophy. Stylu Christophy. I tried it. I looked it up, and there was 18 different pronunciations. So it's one of those. She was born <laughs> in 1900 in a small village in Cyprus, which is a country southeast of Greece. She never received an education. Now you stop looking, and you need to listen. No, I'm looking up because you gave me a date. Sorry. I'm listening. No, you're not. Cypress. You said Cypress Hill. No, you were talking I did not talk about the band. Being Cypress Hill. Insane All right. in the membrane. Insane in the membrane. She never received an education and was illiterate all her life. She married one of the poorest men in the village when she was 14, and the couple went on to have five children. Oh, my gosh. Who marries a 14-year-old? When their only son, Stavros, was born, they hoped that he would someday help provide for the family. That's oh, how bad that was. I love the name Stavros. Oh, when he was born, they hoped he would? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank God we have a son. And I, I will say. What? In her defense. Yeah. I'm very excited that our son is going to get a computer engineering degree. I'm already counting the dollars. All right. So <laughs> then we fast forward several years. <laughs> you better not fuck up, son. That's, That's right. why I tell him every morning. Every morning I say that to him. You're sitting beside his bed and he just opens buy his me eyes a, and you dig. Buy you me a car. Hey, buy me a car. Buy me a house. Oh <laughs> pay my, my bills. All right. So we fast forward several years. Okay. After saving up some money, Stavros, which is the son. I love right? that name, Stavros. I know you said that. Migrated to our kid, Stavros. Stop it. He migrated to London in 1941. <laughs> okay, 1941. He landed a job as a waiter for the esteemed Café de Paris, one Ooh. of the leading theater clubs in London. I wonder if these guys have heard of that. Of course. We've been no. there many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> it was here that Stavros met the beautiful German-born Hella Bleicher, a model who worked in a clothing store in the area. She sounds hot. Hella Sta Bleicher, y'all. Yeah. Stavros and Hella were instant attracted to each other and fell in love. Stavros knew his mother would be upset, but in 1942, the happy couple married anyway. Mm. So then they lived in a large two-story home in Hampstead. Is that how you say that? Yeah, Hampstead. Yeah, yeah. Hampstead. With their three children, Nicholas, 11, Peter, 10, and Stella, 9. In 1953, Stylu had forgiven Stavros for getting married behind her back to a foreign woman. That was <gasps> her issue with it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> she had never met Hella and her grandchildren, and it was now time to do that. So she had been out of the picture all this time, and Stavros decides to bring her around. So uh, once in London, Stylu would find work and save enough money to return to Cyprus and buy some property. So the visit, she goes to visit them, and it goes fine at first, but it eventually turned Stavros and Hella's life into a living hell. Stylu wasn't fluent in English or German, and Hella wasn't fluent in Greek, and that made it difficult for them to communicate with one another. Stylu was critical of how, the way Hella decorated the house and how she and Stavros were raising the children. She also felt Hella squandered money on makeup and other frivolous things. Hmm. Stylu also voiced her disappointment in Stavros for marrying a foreign woman. After 12 months, Stylu's outburst became too much for Hella, which I agree, about time. 
That's yeah. a long time to yeah. put yeah. up with all that. Yeah. Taking shit. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody mother-in-laws, eh? Right. So she tells Stavros that she will. She's going to take the children to Germany and not come back until his mother is moved out of the house. And Stylu overhears Hella and Stavros talking and knows just enough English by this time to understand the gist of the conversation. So she feels Stavros is taking Hella's side, and this made her really pissed. Yeah, I get mad too. Mm. So on July 29th, 1954. Oh, July 19th, 1954, Thursday, where on television in America was on CBS, it was like game show night. They had a show called What's in a Word. Nine o'clock was What Do You Have in Common? At 1030 was Place the Face. All right. I don't know. There's nothing That's good. number Wang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on that night, Stavros was at work and the children were asleep in bed. While Hella was in the bathroom washing up, Stylu picked up a cast iron ash plate from the cooker. And uh -oh. I, so I'm not sure. Oh, these guys I think know. it was it's like a cast iron pretty, skillet type thing. Maybe. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure she's not about to kick a stick with it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> she hit Hella over the back of the head with it. Uh, and it, the blow was so severe it fractured her skull and knocked her unconscious. Uh, Stylu removed Hella's wedding ring from her finger and strangled her to death with a scarf. She dragged Hella's body onto a landing just outside the door leading to the yard. What were you going to say? You can't pull that scarf tight, right? Because the scarf is pretty loose. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not like a guitar string. Yeah. <laughs> not no that I've ever. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> guitar string? Oh. Nobody's coming oh. clean. <laughs> um, so Stylo placed paraffin-soaked newspaper around the body and lit it on fire. Oh, my gosh. A neighbor walking his dog saw the smoke. So then he looks through the fence and sees Stylo stoking the fire on what he thought was a tailor's dummy. He would later oh, say that God. the arms were raised and bent back at the elbow. Why would you automatically go to Taylor's dummy? And <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Probably burning a Taylor's dummy, as we all do. The yes. only way to get rid of a Taylor's dummy is to set it on fire. Well, that's how they always do. <laughs> Anytime somebody finds a body, they always say, I thought it was a mannequin first. Maybe it well, was because like the smell, because yeah. like burning hair smells Ugh. pungent, like tanning leather smells like, I don't know if they're similar. Yeah. So the fire is getting out of control and it's dangerously close to the house. So Stylo starts to panic and she runs into the streets and in her broken English starts yelling, please come fire burning, children sleeping. The fire brigade arrives and sees Hella, who was partially burned and covered with blood. They immediately call the police. While searching the home, the police find Hella's wedding ring in Stylo's room as well as other evidence. The police question Stylo at the station about what happened that night. She tells them the fire started as a result of liquid paraffin that had spilled on the ground. As for Hella's wedding ring, she found it in the house and thought it was a curtain ring. She claims she saw two men dressing in suits running away from where Hella's body was discovered. I don't know. I believe her. I any chance to say where Stavros was at this point. Like, where's, where's he at all? Yeah, he I don't know. Work. He was at He's work. He's gone, yeah. Right? In the back garden. He was already. at work, I think, yeah. So then the police didn't believe her about any of this, about her account of what happened, and arrested her the next day for murder. Stavros and her attorney wanted to use the insanity defense to avoid the death penalty, but mm. Stylu refused. To Stavros and her attorney, she said, I'm a poor woman of no education, but I am not a mad woman. One official who questioned the death penalty in Stylu's case said, the mere fact she did not claim insanity shows she is not of sound mind. There's a really chilling video of like this this British woman who was like abused, uh -huh. uh, and she killed her husband. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's it's like she's just like, 
I'm glad he's dead. No, don't call an ambulance. I'm glad he's. It's really. Wow. Really yeah, she like, she phoned she phoned the police and said that she'd stabbed her husband. Uh huh. Who was like, he, he by all accounts he was a manipulator and a, and an abuser, and I yeah. think it it had gotten to the point where she just had enough and yeah. she stabbed him, and she was on the phone to like the the operator yeah uh, and she was like i might just go and stab him again and oh wow like try to talk him down and then uh it, it like cuts to like body cam footage of the police officers mm-hmm. yeah when they come to arrest her and uh they tell her that she's being arrested now for murder because the paramedics mm-hmm. have been in yeah and she was like yes good thank good. good really yeah, yeah. Because wow. she, was, she just didn't want paramedics yeah. to go she'd, into Oh, don't go and snapped. save him. Yeah. She's probably so abused. Yeah. 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 I mean, there was a there was a huge milestone a couple of years ago um, when you guys, you guys will be familiar with the term gaslighting. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Donald Trump. So, so gaslighting became, there, there was a, a woman who was sent to prison for murdering her abusive and controlling husband who was basically gaslighting her having affairs and she basically had enough and beat him to death with a hammer went to she went to prison for 10 years i think she was in prison for 10 years Mm -hmm. Uh, but the whole time her son um her who who was also the son of the murdered guy um, basically campaigned to have her released from prison. Oh my god! Like, I know what my dad was like. Wow! Um, wow! Wow! And it, it is now a legitimate um, thing. Now that it's uh, it is well, not excuse. You can use gaslighting in the case. It's, it's now really? it's now a, 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 legitimate a defense. Thing. Yeah. Wow. So, um, Stylu was taken to Holloway Prison in London, a facility for women and young adults only. Holloway opened in 1852 and remained in use until 2016 when it permanently closed its doors. It housed Myra Henley, which we did at the Moore's Murders. Oh, yeah, the Moore's Murders. And Ruth Ellis, who was convicted of murdering her lover and was the last woman hanged in Britain in 1955. Yeah, I think we talked about that, too. Or no, we're not doing that that yet. The chief medical officer examined Stylu and concluded she was insane but fit to stand trial. So the murder trial begins in the Old Bailey. Prosecutors who referred to Stylu as a stupid woman during the proceedings entered Stylu's bloody paraffin-covered shoes into evidence and told the jury about her attempt to clean the bloody floor. The neighbor who saw Stylu stoking the fire that night also testified. Stylu was the last witness to take the stand, and despite the compelling evidence against her, she protested her innocence. It took the jury of 10 men and two women a little less than two hours to find her guilty. The judge sentenced her to death by hanging. So um, as part of the appeals process, she was examined by three more psychiatrists. They all said she was sane by the legal standards of the day. on the morning of December 15th, 1954, she was executed by hanging. She was buried in an unmarked grave on the prison grounds. The murder act of... Okay, so then 
this kind of goes off on a little sidebar here. The Murder Act of 1965 made provisions for the return of the bodies of executed men and women to relatives. So, like, relatives can get your body. Okay. okay. Stylus' family chose not to take her body, and it remained buried on the prison grounds until a prison redevelopment in 1971. Her body was exhumed and moved to Brookwood Cemetery, where she was buried with three other inmates in a single unmarked grave. And then they put a little memorial there for the, the women at, later on. Um, but then in 2019, Stavros Kristofsky's son, so this is mm. would be her grandson, right? Yeah. Toby raised concerns he had about his grandmother's case, specifically in regards to the language barrier, cultural prejudices, and her mental health. Experts mm. that were part of a BBC TV series called Mystery Murder in My Family agreed to review Stylu's case. Not long after the review began, a shocking story was uncovered. In 1920, it turns out, they uncover that in 1924, Stylu had murdered her mother-in-law with the help of two other women. Oh, my Jesus gosh. Christ. They oh. brutally beat her with objects and shoved burn, burning pieces of wood in her mouth and down her throat. What? The case went to trial in 1925, and each was found not guilty due to insufficient evidence. Her husband left the marriage after the trial, leaving her to raise their children alone. And then there was more research, another chilling story surfaces. What? Her mother-in-law, Maria, Maria Christofi, and her lover had murdered her husband back in 1911. Jesus Whoa. Christ. So all Murders of this in the family. Murders yeah. in the family. <laughs> so then the grandson, Toby, you know, he goes on this show, lists the murder mystery in my family show, and... Uh, listens to what they found out. Um, they report that their psychologists using modern methods to evaluate the case were in agreement that she was mentally impaired and should not have been sentenced to death. Mm. The legal expert that reviewed her case said the following. Mrs. Christophe was deprived of the opportunity to advance the proper defense in the course of her trial, and it almost inevitably resulted in her being convicted of murder and the death penalty being imposed. Um, she never took responsibility for what she did, or acknowledge the grief of her son and grandchildren. Stavros eventually remarried and had more children. He was never able to fully heal. He visited his mother once in prison before breaking off all contact with her. He said, I cannot find it in my heart to forgive my mother. The word mother has become a mockery to me. Hmm. So that's that didn't end up well. And that's no. the story of this. Wait a minute. We've learned a new word. The penultimate. The penultimate. Then what would I say? Woman. <laughs> Because she's not the most infamous. Oh, murderess. 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 Who was hanged. She was the penultimate. That's second to last. Second to last second to... woman. Yeah. yeah. Mm. penultimate is the second to. Second to last. Last. Okay. It's not. Uh, is that not a word that's used in the states? Penultimate. No, no we don't say that word. Well, mm. now we are. Like people are saying it now, but I think people are saying it wrong. Yeah. Some people <laughs> right. make it think it sounds like. It sounds like it means the greatest, the, the best. Yeah. yeah, but it's slightly the before the best. Is the is the death penalty? Is that is that a thing in North Carolina? Yes. In is it still? Yeah, I, I don't know. It might be. There might be a. I think it's gone. Stay on it. Check it. Check and see. If you, you know want what to get what their your what's the what's their yeah like that's what's what's their method in north carolina let's see north carolina has not executed a person on death row in nearly 15 years although it is still legal but it's there's like a moratorium on it i think so judges aren't using it 
Yeah, they, I think they go on death row, but they don't execute them. So they just on live death on, row. They live on death row. The last person who was put to death was in August of 2006. It was Samuel Flippin for the murder of his two-year-old stepdaughter. The last oh. person in the UK. You might have covered this. I, I can't remember what year it was, but it was a guy who... Um, the 60s, definitely. He had a, he had a mental disability. Um, yeah, I think we I think we uh, covered it. I feel like I... I yeah. Um, yeah, South Carolina, I just heard is doing a f- is like bringing back firing squads. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. yeah, South Carolina fair, just approved firing squad. I executions. think that's probably how I would like if you got to choose your execution method. I'd guillotine, guillotine. Oh, no way. <laughs> guillotine what is would, the what best. Would, what would you guys? It's, what would you guys I don't go for? No, the, the, they're no, all the, horrific. Like, of, of the of the like, I don't know why they don't just give them a heroin overdose. I mean, oh, that yeah. would be the best way to go, wouldn't it? I don't know. I think they're pretty high off your <laughs> What? I off like, your have, You have seizures and then you die. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I don't know what's. Well, what about sleep? Like uh, sleeping medicine or so? Like, how you do people do it wrong and then you you're peeing yeah. out of a coloscopy bag for the rest oh, of your life? God. <laughs> I'll need to link it to you guys because it was, I mean, it was done by an English person, but it was in the United States. So it was basically done by a a former uh, conservative politician called Michael Portillo did a documentary on um, methods of execution and what is like the most humane way to kill people. So, So he basically looked at the current types of execution methods in the States and came up with the most humane way to carry out the death penalty, which you figured out was um, basically asphyxiation, but um, like gas with, chamber? Uh, with, with nitrogen. Oh, so okay. uh, mm. it, I think it was nitrogen, but it's basically, uh, you basically get like a euphoric high and then die. Ugh. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Drowning as well, right? When you drown, yeah, it's supposed to be peaceful when you drowned. Yeah, because they basically like, like, like they did this demonstration of the electric chair on a basically a pig carcass, and it's it's fucking horrific, man. Well, Um, speaking of horrificness, on December eighteenth, nineteen fifty four. Making its fourth attempt to land at Idlewild Airport in Queens, New York, a Linearey Italian Douglas DC-6B strikes the pier supporting runway 04 slope line approaching lights and then crashes in flames and sinks in Jamaican Bay, killing 26 of the 32 people on board in Queens, New York. It was a plane crash on that Saturday. And then that next Wednesday, December 22nd, Johnson Flying Service Flight 4844C, a Douglas C-47A-90DL Skytrain, whatever that is, on a civil air movement flight of military personnel to Tacoma, Washington, ditches in the Monongalaya River near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, due to fuel exhaustion during a leg of its flight from Newark Metropolitan Airport in Newark, New Jersey, to Allegheny County Airport in Pittsburgh, killing 10 of the 28 people on board. In these two crashes, I'm thinking 26 of the 32 people died in the first one. So that's six people that survived. And then mm-hmm. in this other one, 
18 people survived. Imagine surviving a plane crash. No, that's, that's gotta insane. be fucked up. Everybody you around feel, you is dead. You feel pretty badass surviving a plane crash. Oh <laughs> it's like walking it's, away without a fucking walking scratch. out the wreckage. It's weird how many plane crashes in December of '54. I guess I still chalk it up to '50s. Flights were new. Still commercial they flights. Didn't know what they were on the doing. plane. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, does, no there's one in like, Scotland coming up. Just a little, uh, little. I don't know if you guys know of it. I nearly chose it. I oh, did you? Okay. So I didn't know if that was. I was going to ask if that's a oh. famous one. But I got to. I got to keep moving so we get to Daniel's thing. On December 23rd, 1954, American surgeon Joseph Murray completed the first successful organ transplant when he moved a living kidney from one identical twin to another at the Peter Bent Brigham Hospital. Uh, which later became Brigham and Women's Hospital. The operation lasted five and a half hours. He was assisted by Dr. J. Hartwell Harrison and other noted physicians in operating room two of the Peter Bent Brigham Hospital. Murray transplanted a healthy kidney donated by Ronald Herrick into his twin brother, Richard, who was dying of chronic nephritis. Richard lived for eight more years following the operation. Mm. And then in 1959, Murray went on to perform the world's first successful allograft. And in 1962, the world's first cadaveric, ca- cadaveric renal transplant. So an allograft is a transplant on people that aren't related or twins or yeah. whatever. And a cadaveric renal transplant is from a dead body into a living, living body. Oh, a living. Would it yeah. be cadaveric? A cadaver. Ca- cadaveric. I would it be cadaveric? That's what I was trying to say. No, I'd say ca- I think cadaveric sounds... Cadaveric. Sounds cadaveric. prettier. It sounds be- yeah. more beautiful <laughs> language. You talk about are, cadavers. It what's a like, lovely are, are you guys? Are you guys... Cadaveric. Are you guys organ donors? Do you have organ donor cards? Oh, sure. No. I need my organs in the afterlife. <laughs> You're gonna oh, put them in jars with spices and herbs. Okay, so what if that's currency? Life. What if that's currency in the next life? Oh, you got this many organs left. Just you... get those coins put on your eyes when you die. It's fine. <laughs> All right, December twenty fifth, nineteen fifty four was a Saturday, it was Christmas Merry Day. Christmas. Merry Christmas, and, everyone. And on this Christmas Day, the worst part about it was the nineteen fifty four Presswick air disaster. The British Overseas Airways Corporation Boeing 377 Stratocruiser G also crashes on landing at Glasgow. It's Glasgow or Glasgow? Glasgow. Glasgow. We find it very funny when Americans say Glasgow. 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 There was a very that was like a, a like a, a basically a YouTube video created where a guy was taking the piss out of Americans. Pronouncing. Sports. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, I'm I I'm here in Glasgow where there's two football teams. There's the Glasgow Celtics and the Glasgow Rangers. He probably <laughs> said Celtics too. Celtics. Is he what probably we called said. them Celtics. Well, there, there was, Celtic there was, is the proper name for. There oh. was another channel the where, team. where a guy who who a Scottish guy who moved over to the states um, got. American people to say like Scottish <laughs> slang, but like oh. made it sound like something else. Yeah. So he made someone say pumping dugs. Um... Yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> Let's see it. Right. Okay. So we this could be fun. We're gonna go we could go through some some slang. 
and see if <laughs> we you don't know have all that time. <laughs> I know we got to Why don't you you do that? After, that'll be our that'll party. be our next <laughs> podcast. That could be your. After all right, let me finish this. So this crash was at the Glass Glasgow. Presswick Airport from London and poor visibility at 3.30, killing 28 of the 36 passengers and crew on board. Again, that's eight passengers that survived. And the good thing about that day was... Amy, Amy hates birthdays. Amy hates birthdays. Andy Lennox was born in Aberdeen. How far are you guys from Aberdeen? I'm yeah. closer to Aberdeen. It's about it's about sixty miles to Aberdeen. Fifty, okay. sixty miles. She's the daughter of Dorothy Farquharson and Thomas Allison Lennox. In the nineteen seventies, Lennox won a place at the Royal Academy of Music in London, where she studied the flute, piano, and harpsichord for three years. She lived on a student grant, worked at part-time jobs for extra money. Lennox was unhappy and doubted her own talent when compared to her student contemporaries while at the Royal Academy and deliberated on what other direction she could take. But her flute teacher's final report stated Anne has not always been sure where to direct her efforts, though lately she has been more committed. She is very, very able, however. Two years later, Lennox reported to the Academy, I've had to work as a waitress, barmaid, and shop assistant to keep me when not in musical work. She also played and sang with a few bands, such as Wind Song, during the period of her course in 2006. The Academy made her an honorary fellow. Lennox also was made a fellow of the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama that year. Which is now called the Conservative Club. And she was singer of the Eurythmics. <laughs> and she was also but, in the Eurythmics. And sweet dreams are made of them. Sweet dreams are made of real. There we go. I was Good. in a play um, called uh, Midsummer uh, when I was when I was at drama school, and uh, there is a scene in the play where they go to a fetish nightclub. Nice. Uh, so I danced in basically like a like a latex, not like latex, like PVC is put. Is that <laughs> I right? wasn't like, invited to the showing. What the fuck? So oh, like, friendship like a, over <laughs> a fake leather-looking shirt and basically um, boxers that I turned into a thong. Uh, oh man! So we were <laughs> and we danced to Sweet Dreams. Nice. Oh, that's awesome! So that's is, uh, I. I guess I didn't realize that she was from Scotland. I don't know yes, why I didn't yeah. know that until now. But now I know, and you guys love her, and all you talk about is Annie Lennox all day Pretty long. Pretty much, yeah, absolutely. I Annie Lennox love, this and Annie Lennox that. Love Annie Lennox. The same all day on Christmas, another bad thing. Now we had a bad thing and a good thing and a bad thing. There was a rock and roll death. There was a rock and roller from the fifties named Johnny Ace. He was a rhythm and blues singer. And, and uh, he was known by the stage name Johnny Ace, but his real name was John Marshall Alexander. Uh, he had a string of hit singles in the mid-50s. They were all ballads, so they're not nah. my cup of tea. But he was getting famous. He started out as a pianist playing around nah. Beale Street in Memphis. <laughs> pianist. Not penis, pianist. Uh, the network of local musicians he played with in Memphis were known as the Beale Streeters, which included B.B. King, mm. Uh, mm. Bobby Bland, Junior Parker, Earl Force, and Roscoe Go Gart Gordon. Initially, they weren't an official band, but at times there was a leader and they played on each other's records. In 1951, Ike Turner, who was a talent scout and producer for Modern Records, 
Modern Records arranged for Alexander and other Beale Streeters to record for Turner's label. Anyway, B.B. King left town, and he took over B.B. King's spot on the radio show that B.B. King was on, and he, he played piano for B.B. King. He sang background vocals, but he was signed to Duke in 1952 and released his first recording, My Song, a ballad which topped the R&B charts for nine weeks. He began touring with Willie Mae, Big Mama Thornton. In the next two years, Ace had eight hits in a row, including Cross My Heart, Please Forgive Me, The Clock, and others. In November 1954, Ace ranked number 16 on the Billboard 1954 disc jockey poll for R&B favorite artists. In early 1955, Duke Records announced that three of his 1954 recordings, along with Thornton's Hound Dog, had sold more than 1,750,000 copies, so he was a big deal. So after touring for a year, Johnny Ace had been performing at the City Auditorium in Houston, Texas, and on Christmas Day, 1954, during a break between sets, he was playing with a 32 caliber revolver. <laughs> Members of Ace's band said he did this all the time. It was just something he did. Sometimes he'd shoot at roadside signs from the car. Hunter Th- Thompson. Thornton's bass player, Curtis Tillman, who witnessed the, this event, said, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Johnny Ace had been drinking, and he had this little pistol he was waving around the table, and someone said, be careful with that thing. And he said, it's okay. Gun's not loaded, see? And he pointed it at himself <laughs> with a fuck. smile on his face, and bang. Sad, sad thing. Big what a mo- way to go. What a way yeah, to go. No kidding. That's fu- I'm sorry, but that's fucking hilarious. That is one of the funniest <laughs> deaths I've ever heard in my life. Big Mama ran out of the dressing room yelling, Johnny Ace just killed himself. It was widely reported that Ace killed himself playing Russian roulette. However, Big Mama Thornton said in a written statement included in the book The Late Great Johnny Ace that Ace had been playing with the gun but not playing Russian roulette. According to Thornton, Ace pointed the gun at his girlfriend and then at another woman who was sitting nearby but did not fire. He then pointed the gun towards himself, bragging that he knew which chamber was loaded. The gun went off, shooting him in the side of the head. And his funeral was held on January 2nd, 1955 at Claiborne Temple AME Church in Memphis. It was attended by an estimated 5,000 people, and his remains were buried at New Park Cemetery in Memphis. Wow. Imagine if he had pulled pulled the trigger at someone else. At somebody else and murdered them. He'd be a murderer. He probably would have just slid another bullet in and just... (laughs) I'd never heard of this guy, Johnny Ace, until... No. Had you ever heard of him? Um, So we did stop talking about him. But to me, all the songs sounded the same. They're not good. All right. Almost get, we're going to get there fast. December 26th, the National Football League Championship was be, at Cleveland Municipal Stadium between the Cleveland Browns, who thrashed the Detroit Lions 56-10. to 10. Mm. Browns play kicker Lou Graza made eight extra points, a new title game record. I keep this in here because the Browns and the Lions have both been awful and terrible ever since, so it's funny yeah. that they were the championship. Yeah. Um, so, And that's both from the area where I'm from. Uh, and then... I guess I should skip this birthday. Yes, please. We're running out of time. But, but Amy, since Amy hates birthdays. birthdays. I, we already had one. <laughs> I know we had one, but Denzel Washington. Denzel Hayes Washington what? was born. Oh, and yeah. I can't <laughs> skip Denzel Washington. You can't, you can't skip Denzel. <laughs> He was born in Mount Vernon, New York, 
and his mother, Lennis Lynn, was a beauty parlor owner and operator bo born in Georgia and partly raised in Harlem. His father, Denzel Hayes Washington Sr., a native of Buckingham County, Virginia, was an ordained Pentecost Pentecostal minister. Mm. He was also an employee of the New York City Water Depart Department and worked at a local S-Klein department store. Washington attended Pennington Grimes Elementary School in Mount Vernon until 68. When he was 14, his parents divorced, and his mother <laughs> sent him to private prep school, Oakland Military Academy, New Windsor, New York. Denzel was a preppy? Jesus. He was a preppy. <laughs> and he said that that decision changed his life because the kids he was hanging out with all ended up in jail. Uh, uh -huh. And so he said if he hadn't gotten out when he did, he said those guys were nice guys, but they were over 40 years combined in the penitentiary. After yeah. Oakland, he attended Mainland High School in Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, from 70 to 71, the team colors are blue and gold. The mascot's the Buccaneer. Notable alumni Vince Carter, retired NBA swingman, former University of North Carolina basketball player. Ooh. Anyway, so this is the part about Denzel Washington we got to talk about. He earned a BA in drama and journalism from Fordham University in 77. Mm -hmm. At Fordham, he played college basketball as a guard, which I didn't know, under mm -hmm. coach P.J. Carlissimo. After a period of indecision on which major to study and taking a semester off, Denzel Washington worked as a creative arts director of the overnight summer camp at Camp Sloan YMCA in Lakeville, Connecticut. And he participated at this YMCA overnight camp in a staff talent show for the campers. And a colleague said, you should try acting. <laughs> so he went back to Fordham that fall with renewed purpose, and he enrolled at the Lincoln Center campus to study acting, where he was cast in the title roles in Eugene O'Neill's The Emperor Jones and Shakespeare's Othello, and he then attended graduate school at the American Conservative Theater in oh, San Francisco, yeah. California, where he stayed for one year before returning to New York to begin a professional acting career. So imagine if someone would be like, oh, he's shite. <laughs> it's just up to him when he'd done that summer camp like what that. if he never went to that camp we would have <laughs> never had training day mm -hmm. yeah or equalizer and then on december 29th i don't know if you know the cia was involved with financing and rewriting the animated film version of animal farm and mm -hmm. it became uh british oh american God, animated propaganda <laughs> animated yeah, propaganda yeah. film <laughs> uh yeah, funded by the CIA, and they made it sort of more of a, you know, an anti-communist anti -communist, yeah, thing. It's really yeah. funny. <laughs> and it was Britain's first animated feature film. Uh, really? So, yeah. So, that was interesting. Uh, but that brings us to December 31st, 1954, and Daniel has another... I've got to take a piss. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have, I do, too. Yeah, we yeah have, same. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back. Okay. And, okay, real yeah, quick. Yes, all right. Iron Man was in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Tony Stark is, like, trying to do his Captain Kirk fantasy. I'm going to get with a green lady, and uh, like, she's like, all right, you think you can hang with me? And then it turns out he cannot. <laughs> like, afterwards, she's like, all right, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go get something to eat. And then, she's, and then as soon as she leaves, he's like, ow. So. <laughs> now comic books have gotten to a point where because of like comics code and things like that like some books may seem like they're all age but then just like in television nowadays you have a lot of these underlying tones of uh, promiscuity 
Yeah, promiscuity. Promiscuity. God damn it. But you have like, you know, gratuitous violence and things like that. Yeah. But then there's also, it's still, still managed to somehow be fun. The Nerd School Podcast. As Joe said, we have reached the 31st of December, um, which in Scotland we call Hugmanay. Hugmanay. It's uh, New Year's Eve. Oh. Uh, 31st of December, 1954. Two parents, Robert Fife and Mary Stewart, was Alexander Elliot Anderson Salmond. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, no. You said no rapes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, una- I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. More commonly known as Alex Salmond. <laughs> so <laughs> Alex Salmond is best known as being the first minister of Scotland. Okay. Oh, Effectively, our our he he yeah, like our, our president that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Okay, so um, he was uh, the first minister of Scotland. Well, well, he was the first minister of Scotland from seventeenth of May two thousand and seven to till the eighteenth of November twenty fourteen. Oh, uh, so uh, Basically, he was um, born uh, at 101 Preston Road in Lidlithgow, West Lothian, Scotland. Uh, His parents were both civil servants, um, and his dad served in the Royal Navy during the Second World War um, and had originally worked as an electrician, and his family had been resident in Lidlithgow since the mid-18th century. Jesus Um, Christ. Alex's middle names come from his family's tradition of naming their children after the local Church of Scotland minister, in this case, Gilbert Elliot Anderson of St Ninian's Craig Malin <laughs> Parish Church in Linlithgow. And to this day, he remains a member of the Church of Scotland. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Salmond uh, attended the local Linlithgow Academy from 1966 to 1972 and studied at Edinburgh College of Commerce from 1972 to 1973, gaining an HNC in business studies. He was then accepted by the University of St. Andrews, where he studied (sighs) economics and medieval history. cunt. (laughs) (laughs) So is this guy a conservative? No, No. S&P. So so he, um, his early political career basically started um, because um, he, he became an active member in the Scottish National Party when he joined the Federation of Student Nationalists at the University of St Andrews in 1973. Hmm. His conversion is generally credited to his then girlfriend Debbie Horton, an English student from London who was secretary of the St Andrews University Labour Club. And after an argument in December '73. She told him, if you feel like that, go and join the bloody SNP. The SNP currently rules Scotland. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, That's Liberal Party? It's, yeah, uh, they're, they're, yeah. They're a pretty far left wing yeah. party. Um, to detriment sometimes, but it, it like they there's there's mixed feelings. Some people see mm-hmm. the SNP as a means to an end for independence, um, which is my stance mainly. So, um, Moving back to 
uh, Alex Salmon. So he basically, so he joined the SNP in the seventies, and in nineteen eighty five he was elected as the SNP's vice convener of publicity, and in nineteen seventy nineteen eighty seven he stood for parliament in Banff and Buchan, and defeated the incumbent Conservative MP Boo Albert Macquarie, and. Um, he then uh, carried on in politics, and in 1990, he became the leader of the Scottish National Party. And um, he had two terms as the leader of the Scottish National Party. It was first from 1990 till uh, 2000, and then 2004 until 2014. Um, and there was a very significant thing that happened in 2014. I don't know if you guys will remember um, but Scotland basically had a referendum to decide whether Scotland were to remain part of the United Kingdom or whether we were to become an independent country. Mm. Right. Um, the the SNP that's their whole thing was yeah, so they wanted an independent Scotland that was uh, well in in the ninety nineteen ninety nine. We got a devolved parliament, so we then got um, uh, MSPs who represented Scottish Parliament. Um, no. So we had a government that could decide on things that happened in Scotland. Um, but we also have MPs. It's, it's quite confusing. Um, I think we're one of the only countries as well that allows refugees and immigrants to vote in uh parliamentary elections for scottish parliament i don't know if it's uk parliament but yeah that was no, i'm not I, i'm not sure but yeah so in in 2014 we had the referendum on the was it the 14th of no oh, we went to a gig at that on the night <laughs> of the referendum um and in glasgow uh and on our way back to the train station we ended up at a rally for scottish independence which was fucking great um oh. everyone was wearing around there, everyone there was like do you know guys know what a kaylee is no so it's basically um where we participate in national scottish dancing oh uh, yeah we, we dance the the gay goblins or the, the, the dashboard sergeant um mm. So it's 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 it was great fun. Like people were singing the national anthem. It was it was beautiful. Um, but then <laughs> we woke up. It's <laughs> a pure depression. But oh, then no. we woke up the next morning <laughs> to find that people in uh, basically a forty-five percent to for, uh, to fifty-five percent had voted no. We don't want independence. Wow. Um, and we went to school very dejected and oh, sad. Very much um, like the EU thing, people were lied to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was it was really fucking it was a horrible, horrible day. And then on that day, I actually cried at this. He basically resigned uh, as first minister of Scotland. He's like, after this yeah, we can't. Well, yeah, but then yeah. recently. But then since since that time uh there have been some uh allegations made of Alex Salmond. Mm. Um but since then he he was he was an MP. He he represented uh the constituency of Gordon at um 
in the UK Parliament, uh, but uh, he was there was yeah this is quite relevant. He had a show on Russia Today. Oh, uh, did he called the Alex Salmon Show? Jesus. Really? Yeah, um, and he'd held that for a long, long time. And in February, he announced that um, uh, his, his his show on our Russia Today. Um, this year, February 2022, had been suspended following the invasion of Ukraine. So he still does this. Um, but he um, resigned uh, from the SNP in August 2018 in the face of allegations of sexual misconduct oh, no. in mm-hmm. 2013 while he was first minister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there had been multiple, multiple allegations made that he had uh, raped people, touched people. Um, oh, man. At work. Which additionally threw the current First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, into a bad situation because her and Alex Salmond were very close. Um, he, so he, the, the whole time that, that he was First Minister, he was basically grooming her to take over from him when he mm-hmm. retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was... They, they were... They were like the terrible twosome. They were, they were the ones. They were like the face of of Scottish nationalism, Scottish independence. Yeah. Um. To get and then it basically um came out that she um kind of knew. The implication is that if 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 what had been um uh charged or or, or accused was true, that she would have definitely known about it. Um, it got thrown out of court. Um, I'm not sure why. Uh, yeah, they, they had it, it was in the lead up to like, um, to COVID. Uh, he mm. he was arrested, um, in 24 on the 24th of January 2019 and charged with 14 offenses, including two counts of attempted rape. Whoa, oh wow, sexual assault two of indecent assault and one uh, breach of the peace and he appeared in court on the 24th of November, 21st of November and entered a plea of not guilty and his trial started on the 9th of March 2020 which was probably about uh what maybe like two weeks before lockdown, lockdown hit here yeah yeah um, and then on the 23rd of March Salmond was cleared of all charges um, a jury cleared? found him. Yeah, he was cleared. Uh, a jury found him not guilty of twelve charges. One charge was dropped by prosecutors earlier in the trial, while one charge was found. Now, this is weird. So, in Scotland, we have three outcomes of a trial. Mm. So, in America, you'll have guilty or not guilty. Right. So, in Scotland, we have three. So, we have guilty, not guilty, and not proven. Oh, so basically, the it's inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, about um, so it can be followed up. Yeah, and, so it can be um, followed up. Yeah, and in May 2021, it was reported that he was writing a book about his trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, er- enough, yeah, Jesus and bro. then last year there was this. Basically, there was a big interview that um, MPs had to do about yes. the. The Scottish government's handling of the sexual harassment charges, um, and the main reason I wanted to talk about this, not just because it was in 2018, is because I met Alex Salmond. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I met him in Dundee um, sort of like a year after the referendum when he, he, he brought out a book um, and he was talking about Scottish independence. And I met him. He's put his arm around me. We shook hands. Did yeah. you kiss? Um, we didn't kiss, no. <laughs> a little uh, smooch. Although so... I think... Uh, I, I don't think I was a, 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 if maybe if I was a young, attractive woman, you would have maybe. So as we're saying, Joe, yeah, is the feeling like, is the feel you know, a lot of these, you get a feeling of, yeah, he was cleared of all wrongdoing, but we all know he did it. Or is it more of like people were out to get him, you know, or maybe he, like Bill Clinton, we all know he's just got a thing for women and, mm-hmm. He's probably well, done a lot of that stuff. So, you know? I mean, there, there is like, there's people on on both sides, obviously, because like the, there's rumors that everyone that um, that had alleged against him were friends of Nicola Sturgeon, mm. uh, right? So, is there a there's a motivation? So like, to... the, yeah, they it's... don't know. I find it troubling to even think into these kind of like because there's there's two options people would lie assaulted and and they have now been done a disservice by having their stories like told that they they were lying right or they were lying and they have been they've tried to destroy someone's career based on these lies both are equally fucking well not equally you can't quantify it but it's it's fucked up the whole situation yeah i don't know i just can't imagine that that amount of women would be able to go into a court and lie Mm. and keep those stories straight Mm. and you know, and they're all in yeah. cahoots like that. It's mm. that does not sound. It just feels like when there's that many women, the percentage of yeah. of those false those reports being false is at least in America is very low. Like, okay. if somebody's going to go to the trouble to go to court, I know, I know, it was a big problem in America with college students, um, mm-hmm. like like the, the rapes with fraternities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, and and colleges just being like, oh, it's you know, boys will be boys, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of shit. So I don't know if you guys, are you guys are familiar. I don't, Amy, I don't know if you are at all about Deshaun Watson, this quarterback that was just traded in the NFL. No. Um, he's like supposedly one of the best quarterbacks ever. You know, he's like supposedly the best. He played for the Houston Texans a couple years, and this is gets real complicated, especially for a straight white guy who's not had any, you know, straight white men are the general people who like project, you know, what's happening in the NFL. Deshaun Watson is an African-American quarterback in Texas, which is known to be racist. So he's, he's unhappy with the Texans organization a few years back. So he calls him out and said, there it's a racist organization. I want out. I want to be traded. And they're like, Nope, you're, out you're just we're just not gonna play you you're like you just aren't gonna make any money we're not gonna play you and then all of a sudden all these rape allegations come out over 20 women have come out to say and they're all massage therapists that have said he has like co i think coerced them into you know giving him happy endings and things like that um at first it was one and when the first one came out everybody's like 
this is bullshit. Somebody's trying to frame him because of what he's doing to the rich Texas owners of this football club. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to call him out as racist, so they're blackmailing him. Everybody knows Deshaun Watson is not like he's above board guy. Definitely not true. And then more and more women kept coming out now, and now it's over twenty. So public opinion is all like, if it's twenty women, you're Bill Cosby. You know, like right. he's Bill Cosby. He's been doing this. And of course, in throughout history in America, like sports people are put up here and they can do whatever they want and women are generally so it's this conundrum like, oh my God, is it real? So then he he sat out like the last two years because they just weren't playing him and we don't know. The Cleveland Browns just traded their first three round uh, next f- picks, first round picks for him. Uh, to get him because he was cleared of all allegations in a Texas court. Texas uh, Texas court dropped all charges against him when it got to court. And so everybody's like, oh, of course he still did it. We can't, you know, even though they were all drafted, it's just because they're misogynistic. But then the, uh, the sort of black people's perspective is a black man is being cleared of all charges in Texas? Are you kidding me? Like Texas would jump at the chance to convict a black man. So it's got to be not above board it's got to be somebody putting them up so it's like it's like this battle between misogyny and racism yeah and then everyone who's speculating is white men uh, you know who are the speculators on this whole thing so it's this weird uncomfortable weird like i don't know about anything except all i'm weighing in on is three first round picks is a lot to give for a guy who won four games the last season that he played but that's not part of the whole thing but it's like Who fucking knows it's just uncomfortable you don't know like yeah. if you are contributing to all these women being silenced and told to shut up and that you're not important whatever he did to you that's mm-hmm. devastating yeah. if yeah. on the other hand you're silencing him as a black man who is being pushed down by white ownership of a texas ball club that's awful so no matter yeah. what you do you could be and it all, fuck it. It all becomes, fuck it. Um, it's like yeah. sensationalized and thrown out on every fucking news platform and then everyone's talking about it. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's insane. Or it could be a little trial. bit of everything. It could be maybe had some wrongdoing and maybe they were ra- maybe it's everything. Maybe they were racist and he did these things. And then what do you do? Then what you and pick nobody a... right. And they're all terrible. So I guess the only thing to do is not yeah record a, a podcast record about a... murderers <laughs> and that's right culture. that's what we gotta do yeah we'll end this episode here and thanks for you guys bringing all your stuff on this thank you for having us yes thanks for coming yeah. guys daniel it's and always daniel, a pleasure and check out the uh unnamed podcast. the unnamed podcast <laughs> that Thanks, guys. And, then, and thanks for coming. But we got to get out of here, Chuck oh, yeah. Berry. Oh, yeah. We got to get out of Chuck Berry, end the episode, and then I'll continue talking to these guys about podcast ideas. Fuck okay. Chuck Berry. All right. Fuck Chuck Berry, who had a, <laughs> he had cameras uh, in the yep. ladies' room. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yes. Bad, bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Bye-bye. for listening, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us 80 stars.
Truman Ego Trip is the greatest band of all time. Buy their music.